Welcome to From the Pulpit, the sermon podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. Today we're going to be looking at the passage that we read for our gospel lesson. It's found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. And it's the story of the Canaanite woman. And today I'll be drawing our attention to just one aspect of that story. But first I want to take a minute to say something, not about the passage itself, but about its placement within the season of Lent. It's kind of interesting the way that the gospel lessons in Lent are placed, at least for the first four weeks of Lent. The fifth week of Lent is called Passion Sunday, and it starts pointing us towards the cross. The sixth week in, or Sunday in Lent is commonly called Palm Sunday, and we know that that has to do with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and the beginning of what we call Holy Week. But the first four weeks of Lent sort of have a flow to them with the gospel lessons that we read. And if you're unfamiliar with the stories, or if you can't remember them, the stories go like this. The first Sunday in Lent is Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. That was last week. Second Sunday in Lent, or today, is the Canaanite woman who begs for Jesus' healing power for her daughter. Next week, on the third Sunday in Lent, Jesus casts out a demon, and then he does a teaching about how when a house is swept clean and cleansed, it must be filled. And then on the fourth Sunday in Lent, often called Refreshment Sunday, we will hear the miraculous story of Jesus' feeding of the hungry multitude. Now, I don't know if you can sense the flow from just those summary statements of events, but let me say it this way. The first week... Jesus has a battle with Satan, so to speak. He's tempted, and he does not give in, nor does he sin. He's victorious in a sense. And because of that, he becomes the means of our victory over sin and death. This week, we see last week's victory in action. The woman approaches Jesus, and that power that he has over sin and death is manifest by Jesus' healing of the woman's daughter. But even more significant is that this grace is shown to a Canaanite woman. This is a universal healing. Jesus can save everyone who approaches him. Next week, we're presented with the cleansing power of Jesus to make new, in a sense. The one who receives the grace of God is not just healed, but he is indeed cleansed, swept clean as a vessel of God. But that lesson will also say if it's swept clean, It must needs be filled. And that's where the fourth week and gospel lesson comes in. The feeding of the multitude with the miraculous bread in the wilderness. Jesus not only heals, Jesus not only cleanses, but then Jesus fills. The first four weeks of Lent are truly a picture of the whole of salvation and redemption. Of the transition from sin to righteousness. From death to life, from the old life to the new life. All of it as it is founded in the power and the work of Jesus. So I just wanted to point that out to you as we move through this season of Lent. Because it should really sit in the back of our minds as we progress towards the cross and the resurrection 
a month from now. But returning back to the story and the miracle itself of today, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 and following, we find this story. And we could also find it in Mark chapter 7. Their mother approaches Jesus to heal her daughter, who's grievously vexed with the devil. The woman who hears that Jesus has come into town goes out to the place that Jesus was staying. And she starts pestering Jesus. She cries out, not in a small voice. The actual word in the Greek talks about a raven that is squawking. And after an interplay happens between Jesus and the disciples, Jesus engages her in conversation. And that's when she makes the great statement. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And what she meant by this is that God's great grace falls to all, even to the lowliest. If one is under the master's table, one gets to eat, even if it is just the crumbs. And for the sake of today's homily and what I want us to focus on in this story, is that this woman, she had the gumption to approach Jesus. It was wrong for her to do what she was doing. And it was wrong on more than just one level, at least from a Jewish perspective. First, she was not Jewish. Or if she was Jewish, she was living in the wrong area. Matthew tells us that she was a Canaanite. Mark's more specific. Says she's a Syrophoenician woman. And that means that she probably wasn't a Jew. She was not a part of the right, quote, people. And even Jesus points this out to her. He says it's not right to give the children's food to the dogs. Furthermore, she was a woman. Custom-wise, it would not have been appropriate for this woman to come and to beg at Jesus' feet the way that she did. As male chauvinist as our society might say that that is, as politically correct as that may be viewed, the societal custom at the time says it would not have been good for this woman to be so demanding of Christ in the way that she was. And lastly, Mark tells us that Jesus was in a house. Matthew doesn't tell us that, but Mark does. Jesus was trying to escape from the people and to not be known in the town. But this woman, she was drawing attention. She was invading a private residence, so to speak. Yet she comes. Her desire for her petition was greater than all those things, than all those obstacles. Her desire and love for her daughter's life broke all barriers. Her only hope was in the Lord. And so it would be to the Lord that she would cry out. No silence, no obstacle, nothing would stop her. And that caught my attention. I know that almost any parent would do that for their children. I know that we would go through hell and high water. We would jump off of any bridge. We would break any barrier, probably break any law. We would ignore any obstacle if our children's lives were on the line. So in that regard, it doesn't seem like a big deal with what this mother did. She was out to save her daughter. But let's take it down to another level. Let's take the fact that it was for a daughter out of the picture and instead consider it at its base level. 
That simple principle of coming to Jesus to help. Or should I say, not coming. We often hear it said, and it seems to be true when you talk to pained people, that there are a lot of people who don't feel like they can approach God in their situation like this woman did. There are a lot of things that stand in their way. Like the woman who had at least three things that screamed, you shouldn't approach Jesus, so people feel as though God is unapproachable. And we as people in the church might say, well, we don't really have that problem too much. We know who the Lord is, and we're all good. And that's true to some degree. Those who already have the knowledge of the Lord are more readily to approach the Lord. We aren't, quote, as afraid to approach God. But even as I say those words, and even as they they roll off my tongue, I'm also reminded of the example that we have of others. Others who knew the Lord quite intimately, yet found that it's not always easy to approach God. We have Jonah. Remember him? The one swallowed by a fish. The prophet who ran away from God and tried to hide from God in the belly of a ship going the opposite direction from where God had sent him. Why? Because he didn't agree with what God wanted him to do. And he was mad. Sometimes anger gets in our way. Maybe we don't like what God did. Then again, maybe we're mad because God didn't act the way that we thought that God should act. Or we have David, who in his sin stopped communicating with God. It was the time when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then he had Uriah killed. And he buried it away. And in doing so, he withdrew even from God. In the Psalms, Psalm 32 to be exact, David said he kept quiet. And he ended up being consumed inside because of it. His bones withered away, so to speak. It was only when he broke his silence and approached God again in confession that he was relieved. And these are just a couple of examples of people in Scripture. Even that man who God chose for himself, who was a man after God's own heart, as the Scriptures say. That man who wrote so many of our psalms and praises in the Scriptures. He had a hard time communicating with God at times. Sin and guilt can certainly drive us away from God. Whether it's that we're afraid that God can't love us, or whether we're afraid that God is or will be disappointed in us because we didn't, quote, live up to his standard. Or perhaps not even something related to guilt. Maybe it's avoidance because we don't want God to interfere with what we want to do. I mean, I think we've all had those times when we know that what we are doing or what we want to do are exactly the opposite of what God would have us do. Or perhaps it's not doing exactly what we know God would have us do and not living up to what he demands of us. And so as to ease our conscience, at least to some degree, we distance ourselves from God. It's sort of the out of sight, out of mind approach. If I don't talk to God about this, then I can do as I please and maybe he won't see me. And so it's true that even we, The ones who come to worship every week can have trouble approaching God. As a matter of fact, even as we come and worship, 
We can simply go through the motions with our body and, and saying the words with our mouths. But in our minds and in our hearts, and even more so in our soul, in our spirit, we can still be far from God. But here's what Jesus says. Come unto me. I'll give you rest. Here's what James says. Draw near to God, and God will do what? God will draw near to you. Here's what the Canaanite woman says today. Press past those obstacles. Press past those things that separate you from God and cry out to him. Imagine what would have happened if that woman listened to the voices that I'm sure she had in her head. If she listened to the voices of the disciples, and I'm sure that others in that town said, send her away because she's shouting out too much. In our prayer book, in our communion service that we do every week, We pray even as the Canaanite woman. In the prayer right before we take communion, which we call the prayer of humble access, we pray the very words of this gospel story. We say, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. Yet we also pray, reminding ourselves in prayer that although we aren't worthy to approach God, yet his property His character of who he is in himself is always, always to have mercy. And then we pray that by approaching him, he will, in his mercy, feed us with the body and blood of Christ. And that through such, we will be cleansed by him. We will be healed by him. We will be changed by him. We come just as I am in the words that we just sang in that sermon hymn. And God takes what we are, with all the warts and the wrinkles that are on the outside, with all the pains and the heartaches that are on the inside, with all the doubts and all the insecurities and everything else that we have that stops us from, from coming to God. And he heals it. That's the miracle of Christ in your life. When we draw near as this woman did, Christ takes the brokenness and heals it. He takes the death and he gives it life. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stm.com. K-A-T-Y dot org.